there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. This is Wednesday, October 18th. This is the virtual edition because uh, we... (laughs) We have something very important going on in our uh, normal studio, the Thrive Well uh, phone bank, trying to raise money for breast cancer and and cancer patients around our area. So obviously, don't like not being in there, but I'd rather not be in there and have this going on. So because obviously raising a lot of money for a good cause. But Zach also kind enough to join us from Globe Life Field, uh, getting ready for game three in Arlington. Yeah, yeah, Uh, should be a good one tonight. The roof is closed. I'll see if I can. Yeah, let's see everybody. The, let's see the view. Go. All right. That's the van- this is the vantage point. Roof is already closed. It's a nice day, a little windy outside, but um, yeah, we are getting set. We're about, I guess, a little less than six hours away now, but player interviews are going to be getting started here in, in a little more than an hour. So uh should be a fun game three. Yeah. Do those side windows over there on the left side, do they open? They do not, not, not to my knowledge out, out there in left field. um, Those are, those are static. You know, they, they stay still and everything. I think the only thing that moves is this roof. Gotcha. Um, In, uh, in Chase Field in, uh, in uh, Arizona and Phoenix, they have those kind of windows on the left side uh, over left field that open, they like rotate like that. So it allows air in. So I didn't get a little bit of breeze. Yeah. That would be nice. So they have that at Jerry World too, where it's like I guess you can keep the roof closed, but then you can open up like the ends on either side. And because it's like sort of an east-west orientation, you get some breeze that way too. Right. Well, uh, I know you have uh, player interviews to go do, so let's get started. Um, it's got to start with the number game as we usually do. It's episode thirty-eight, which means who comes to mind there's really not a lot of good 38s uh but speaking of the diamondbacks kurt schilling came came into mind instantly for me i'm a you know red sox fan the bloody sock he was he shows up big a lot of times in this time of year so in game six yeah um yeah i can't think of really any other 38s really um so yeah that's kind of of (laughs) odd it's it's kind of an odd number yeah, at least for 39, we'll have like Larry Zonka. I asked uh, Chuck who his 38 was just while I was downstairs, and he said uh, Tremont Williams, obviously, the Packer fan saying Tremont Williams, the corner. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he has he has that one ready. Yeah, it's, and then Don came up with a name that I had never heard of, so as he usually does. But <laughs> um, let's get started on the rundown here. This week, I uh, got a Great week eight that we just had. Uh, speaking of, and we had the the game of the game of the year so far for high school football between Johnson and Reagan. So we'll recap that a little bit. We'll go through a pretty pretty loaded week nine slate as well. We got a lot of good games on the slate this mm-hmm. weekend and this week for week nine. Uh, we'll go through TNL top ten, five A, six A. Go through uh, sub TNL top ten for one A and four A, and then preview 
a de facto playoff game uh, this week on TNL, which is Clark and Roosevelt. So quickly, let's just recap the uh, big week eight games. Obviously, it starts and ends with Reagan and Johnson. Uh, Reagan was up 27-13. Johnson comes storming back, ties the game at 27. Reagan, Cole Pryor gets in for his third touchdown, and then Reagan basically blocks a kick and goes, Cole Pryor gets his fourth touchdown and ball game curtains after that. So what did you think of the performance that Reagan turned in on Friday night? I just really strong. Um, and I think coach Hamilton kind of said it best afterward. It's just, Hey, we just need to give it to our workhorse and, and let them eat. And that's what they did. Um, I was glad to see that it's a fourth quarter. It was a fourth quarter game, you know, tight, what it was tied 27 with maybe five minutes left or something like that. Um, the final score, it's like, Oh, Reagan kind of had it. Well, it was a close game late. And I, I think really, uh, you would hope that these two, I think the way how the districts are all laid out in playoff seating, you would wish that these two could meet each other again in the playoffs because, man, what a great game would that that be. Uh, but Johnson, yeah, unfortunately, they they hit a bump in the road. But, man, they'll, they'll bounce back, I'm sure. But what a, what a win for Reagan again, second straight year winning this game. And, and it sets them up to, you know, kind of close out and win District 28-6A again. Yeah, I mean, it shows you that it's a 48-minute game. I mean, the mm-hmm. the game was so much closer than the final score indicates just because of the blocked punt that happened with, like, right. three, three and a half minutes left, and then Cole Pryor gets his fourth touchdown. But you look at that team in Reagan and the weapons that they have with Brad Jackson at quarterback and Cole Pryor at running back and then Caleb Capuccio, who who we haven't even said. Like, he he was kind of ab- – not absent, but he was kind of, you know, on the back burner because Cole Pryor had such a such a huge day. But that game could have gone either way. And then in the final mm-hmm. minutes, Reagan kind of pulls out what is going to be the strongest win on their schedule. Yeah. And you mentioned all the playmakers for Reagan. It's almost the same case for Johnson because you got Ty Hawkins at quarterback. They got Bubba Johnson at running back. and They've got King Johnson at wide receiver. So there's a set of triplets over there, too, for Johnson. So, again, it's like I'm, I'm hoping – that at some point, if the schedules can align or the playoff seating works out, it's like these two can meet again for a by district round or an area round or something like that. Because man, that game in the playoffs, it would it would be spectacular. Yeah, we do the TNL top ten here, which we'll go over in a second. I almost wanted to just leave Johnson at two, just because like they showed up so well, and mm-hmm. like dropping them almost feels criminal. But I mean, obviously, there's a lot of good teams in our area. Um, but Johnson shouldn't hang their heads on that. T.P. Miller, his squad is going to be ready ready in the playoffs no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, was, which was kind of impressive as well, is Alamo Heights defeated Harlandale 60-34. Um, to 34. That's Harlandale's probably the second-best team in that division. That was the third straight week. And, you know, besides Burbank, Sam Houston, all of them kind of vying right, for second right, place. Right. Um, uh, Harlandale has, was their third straight undefeated opponent that Alamo Heights has knocked off and did so again in convincing fashion. You were there at that one in the beginning when it was tight. What did, what did you see? It was really, I, I mean, the Indians, they kind of kept it a close game. It was only five points. Uh, Alamo Heights ahead 25, 20 at the half. And then of course, I think Alamo Heights depth came into play in the second half where they, they were just able to kind of, uh, you know, run away with it a little bit, but, uh, give Harlandale a lot of credit because they were they were yeah they took some punches but they were giving them right back to to the mules so you know I 
that that might be a game where yeah you didn't come away with the win but it's like hey you know we can hang with a team like as stacked as Alamo Heights yeah and you've been talking about that all year how um they'll play their division might not be or their district might not be the best but what the good part about that is that they get the back end of their roster playing time and the depth mm-hmm. really shows when you pull away from teams in the second half like that maybe it's a five-point game at half but while they're getting tired you're switching out your offensive line your defensive line your linebackers getting everyone a blow here and there and it just shows in the games like that right and Alamo Heights there's there's a couple of guys at a couple of key spots where um there's just a size disadvantage uh, Michael Terry the third, he walked past me on a play one time, and it's just like this dude looks like a college player. Like, oh my gosh! And then there's another. I, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what position because it looks like he could be like an H back or a tight end where he's really flexible. But he's he's a tall dude as well. Uh, he's his number escapes me at the moment, but it's somewhere in the 80s. But again, it's just like they have some athletes where it's just the size disadvantage was apparent, but. Um, you know, I credit Harlandale for for sticking with them for a half because you know they they're a tough nosed football team, and that you know if they still have Burbank on their schedule, and of course McCollum at the end of the year, those are two big games where we're going to find out a lot about the Harlandale Indians. Yeah, I mean, and they they have a good roster as well. They have the uh, San Antonio Sports All Star Jacob Sacedo, a quarterback who who yep. Chuck Chuck just loves. He is in love with that kid because of his frame and how well he slings the ball. Zion Molina running back. I mean they they have a really good team, but Alamo Heights is just in a class of their own when it comes to that mm-hmm. district and and really um I mean that's why they're so high on our on our top 10. So the other great game and surprising game when it comes to week eight is uh Wagner defeating Bernie Champion. I think we yeah. were all we were all kind of sitting in the newsroom and down there in sports putting scores in and whatnot. And we were like, wait, wait a second. What? <laughs> Wagner beat Bernie Champion convincingly 34-21 on knocking the Chargers from the reign of the undefeated. And then we started digging into the stats and all that stuff. And Wagner had 473 yards rushing and five touchdowns on yeah. the ground. Like it's unbelievable what they did to that defense. And that's a Wagner. That's a Wagner game for you, where just their offense, kind of running that modified T, the triple option. You know, they can control a game if their running game is on point, which it was. Obviously, just when you look at the stats, obviously we weren't able to to get somebody up that game with everything else going on that, this past week. But uh, a real big game for Wagner, and um, you know. It's credit to them. I mean, you know, there, there's a ton of athletes out there in Wagner because they're they're in that Judson and, and Veterans Memorial, uh, you know, kind of area and district, you know, because they all split off and all that. But um, Wagner's going to be a good team of, and a force to be reckoned with if you don't play assignment football against that rushing, t- rushing attack. Yeah, I think when Wagner beat Liberty Hill week one, we were all like, oh, watch out. And then they kind of mm-hmm. didn't, not that they fell off, but they started, they lost a couple of games and kind of, you know, fell off a little bit. But then they come back and have this game where they beat the previously undefeated Bernie Champion Chargers. And it's just like, yeah, still a damn good team. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. And- and I, I just see I, I was looking to see who they who they had real quick. Buta Hayes, a team that they should beat. But, you know, again, it's it's like if if a team can be defensively sound and, and stick with their assignments, it's it can get close for Wagner. But uh, they, they should tack on another win this week for the T-Birds. 
yeah, you got to watch your keys and all that stuff. If you're not in your gaps defensively, then they're going to run all over you. And they prove that they're, mm-hmm. they're going to do that to a lot of good teams. So uh, let's get to the TNL top 10 real quick. Reagan obviously stays at number one, seven and zero, five and zero in district. They beat Johnson. We won't spend too much more time on that game. Uh, their next game is against Churchill on Friday and they have only have three left. It's kind of weird. We're already this far into the high school football season, but yeah, we, only have, mm-hmm. we only have two TNL games left this week and then in two weeks. So, uh, they play Churchill, Roosevelt, Brandeis. So it's it's shaping up to where they're going to be have an undefeated go and undefeated regular season there. Yeah, um, Churchill will Churchill is going to give you a, a hard fought game. Uh, that that's kind of the the characteristic of a Ron Harris team. And then Roosevelt might be interesting too. Um, Roosevelt, of course, they're they're on TNL this week, uh, so you'll get to see Brennan Carroll up close and everything. If Brennan Carroll gets going. And there's times where they can do play action and sneak a receiver behind a behind a defense. Uh, that might be one that Reagan needs to watch as well. And then uh, closing up with Brandeis again, and uh, another team that's you know going to be in the playoff in the playoff mix. So they may already have spots locked up, but again, they're going to want to get some momentum going into that first playoff game. Right. And Reagan still needs to run the table. I mean, if they if they slip up, Johnson's going to be there to try and take that district title away from them, even though they do have the, the tiebreaker now with the head to head. Head to head. Right. So uh, two in our TNL top 10 was uh, Steel. They move up to number two this week because Johnson fell down a little bit. So Steel six and oh, six and one, two and oh in district. They beat San Marcos 45 to six. Their running back, Jonathan Hatton, who is committed uh, verbally, I believe, to your uh, to your Sooners. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> we like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must like seeing him run for 183 and three scores then, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and if I have it right, he's just a sophomore, correct? Yeah. I mean, so if he's already, you know, putting up these kind of numbers, you know, he just think a couple more years of getting bigger, faster and stronger. I mean, goodness, you know, that's that's just something that's going to be fun to watch for, for us covering the high school football scene in San Antonio for the next couple of years. So yeah, coach Venables is uh, getting them early. <laughs> well, and I'm not going to get too into it because, but uh, <laughs> I just have seen, I mean, but it, cause yes, they are my school. That's my alma mater, but I've seen from recruits and stuff like that, just the culture shift. And, you know, with Venables being there, they've said that the culture is entirely different with coach Venables there. And to hear that from recruits and and having people commit that early, that's just tells you the kind of job that he's doing and just what what could potentially be Oklahoma in the next couple of years if everything keeps going the way it is. It also tells you the kind of athletes that Coach Science has at Steel and Oh his, man, it's his, it's, it's just it's, ridiculous. It's one of the factories, yeah. Like Steel, Judson. I mean, it's just you know, there's athletes all over the field uh who who can play ball. Yeah, they're damn right there is. So their uh, next game is going to be at East Central Thursday, 7 o'clock. They wrap up with East Central, and then next week is the big one against Judson, that the rivalry mm-hmm. game that we, I'm sure we will be at and everyone around South Texas will be at because that's, that's mm-hmm. always the game that's circled on everyone's calendar. And then they close at Clemens, who had an impressive win against Judson last week on TNL. That, that game was uh, – Something I've never seen before. <laughs> started started off pretty crazy, right? <laughs> 40, 45 seconds. We haven't even done the first sideline interview yet. And already there's three touchdowns on the board in the first 45 seconds. First opening kickoff for whoever missed it. Opening kickoff runs back. 
the ensuing kickoff runs back by Judson. And then the next kickoff goes to about the 30 and Clemens goes over the top on their first offensive play for an 80 or a 70, 80 yard score. So it was something I've never seen before. And I haven't actually yeah. had anybody yet who has said that they've seen something like that. So it was, it was crazy. I think this, yeah, safe to say that was probably a first. Yeah. I went over to Vinny over at, at one of our, uh, one of the other stations here. And I was just like, so uh, there's your highlights. Are you getting out of here or what? <laughs> uh, so third on the TNL top 10 is Harlan. Uh, they had their bye week last week. I believe uh, they're 8-0, 6-0 in district. Uh, they've only got two games left. They're the only class A 6 or 6A team in uh, the state that is 8-0. So kind of impressive, mm. kind of impressive from uh, Coach Salas over there and, and the Harlan Hawks. But they have a huge, huge, huge game this week against the also undefeated uh, Jay Mustangs. Yeah. Um, first place on the line for District 29-6A. And, uh, you know, Harlan uh, played Holmes this this past week. Uh, remember going out there and shooting that game. And, you know, it was it was right, kind right, of a right. no, no, no. Uh, there were there were a few turnovers early, which was a bit uncharacteristic. So they're they're definitely going to have to watch that. And I think whoever wins the turnover battle between them and Jay is going to win that football game. And and Jay, they have a defense that they're a bunch of ball hawks. You know they they have picked off something crazy, like you know somewhere north of like fifteen interceptions this season already. The Jay Mustangs have. So um, Noah Ferris, ball security is big. They're going to have to, you know, make every possession count because Jay, with their rushing attack, they can control the time and keep the Hawks' offense off the field. Yeah, and that Hawks' offense is potent, and it's it's something that they can score in ten seconds with Noah Ferris at quarterback. And so, seeing how Jay deals with that is going to be uh, something to watch this entire or that entire day. But I mean, you can't ask for any anything better than on a Saturday. Saturday evening, John Jay mm -hmm. at Ferris against Harlan with basically a, the title on the line. Yeah, that that's going to be a fun one. That's and that's a hell of a district to to go eight and zero into. Like you got Brennan in that district. They had a hard fought battle against Soto two weeks ago, and it's just like every week everyone's giving you their best, and then mm -hmm. you end up you end up eight and zero with Jay and Taft to go and two wins away from one a district title and two an undefeated season. And and. It's a tough test for them too with Taft coming up because Taft, you know, they're they're only one loss in the district and everything. And and Coach stayed, you know, he's he's punching all the right buttons right now. And and Johnny Lott, they've got a quarterback there who who has been in that system and playing the past couple of years. So Taft, look out for Taft too. Yep. Uh, number four in our TNL top 10 is Smithson Valley. They're six and one, four and oh in district. Their only loss came by three points in the opening game of the season to Reagan. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like your only slip up is to the best team in our area right now. So it's kind of impressive what uh, they're doing up there. Smithson Valley, as always, they beat MacArthur this past weekend, 62 to zero. They haven't allowed a point in the last six quarters that they've played. So very impressive for them. It is, and they've got a good test. Uh, you know, Birdie Champion going to their place to to face the Chargers, and the Chargers are going to be looking to bounce back after you know, obviously taking their first loss of the of the season. So that one's going to be a real interesting one as well to see who comes out on top because both teams, you know, fighting and scratching to to get some the the momentum going these last few weeks. 
Yeah, we have so many great games this week. It's just like title mm-hmm. games, title games right. everywhere. It's just yeah. ridiculous because yeah. uh, that's basically a title game in, in there for that district right there. So mm-hmm. uh, that game's Friday night, seven o'clock. Uh, they have they being Smithson Valley. They have uh, Bernie Champion, then Buda Hayes, uh, and then Seguin to wrap up the season. So definitely their toughest test left is going to be this week. Mm-hmm. Um Fifth ranked team for us is Alamo Heights. They're seven and zero, six and zero in district. I already talked about them a little bit. Colin Ernst went for six touchdowns this past week. Uh, they have Edison coming up, so expect them to get to eight and zero, seven and zero in district. And then last off, they have Lanier and Sam Houston. That Sam Houston game is going to be interesting because that's one of the teams yeah. that's fighting for that second seed in that district. Yeah, and, and um, Sam Houston. I know they've been on TNL earlier this season. They've got some playmakers, Jeremiah Spithia, uh, Jaden Cervantes, and of course, Amir Calhoun, a quarterback, you know, kind of directing it all. But, you know, I I think there's been several games that we've been to where it's like either Spithia or Cervantes, you know, they make a yeah, special right. teams play and it's huge. So it's, yeah, th- you know, that's one that Alamo Heights, you know, it's like that might be a, a game where it's like, yeah, they, they're going to get a good test for all four quarters and and they can really kind of see what kind of measuring stick they have going into the playoffs. There's a lot of undefeated teams that we have in this TNL top 10 who's going, who are going to be tested in the next three weeks to try and finish that off. So uh, sixth up is Johnson. They dropped from six to two uh, because of that loss to Reagan. Their next game is Marshall Saturday, two o'clock at heroes last three games of the season for them. Marshall Lee Madison, uh, I would expect them to win those games. However, that district, mm-hmm. some everyone can kind of punch each other in the mouth a little bit. So they're gonna they'll yeah. be test they'll be tested in at least one of those games, if not two. Yeah, and um, you know, look for Ty Hawkins to kind of rally the troops and and get them back on the right track and everything. And you know, yeah, as you mentioned, I think T.P. Miller will will recognize that. You know, it's like, hey, this is our chance to you know get back on the right track these final three weeks. Get get feeling good about ourselves again. Uh, so then that way it's like come playoff time. It's like we're, we know we're playing our best football. Exactly. The next three weeks are basically about getting right and getting ready for the playoffs for them because mm-hmm. yep. they they're already in. They've already they've already clinched the playoff spot uh, in that district. And they're they got to get right in the last three weeks, finish up nine and one, seven and one in district and roll right in. So uh, our seventh ranked team is John Jay. They're seven and oh, five and oh in district. This is the best start they've had since 2003 when they started nine and oh. They got to win this week to try and to try and break that uh that that record that they have uh of nine and oh in 2003 their last three games they have are harlan taft and brennan so it's not gonna be easy yeah it's it's those are all three gonna be tough games hard-fought games uh you know and, and i can't wait for the one on saturday you know i Unfortunately, won't be able to stay there for all of it. I wish I could. Right. Uh, you know, I'll get to maybe shoot a little bit of it. Uh, but yeah, you know what? What a game that'll be. And then, you know, um, we'll really get to see what what this John Jay football team has made of these last three weeks. Yeah, I can't get enough of Jackson Gutierrez. So I'm I'm going to be definitely tuning in to uh, the nine and the ten o'clock just to see what highlights you got. <laughs> yeah, just well, I mean, he's a hard nosed runner, and and from what I believe, you know, just going off his social media and stuff, but, you know, committed to Navy where, you know, they like to run the football. So, you know, he's, that's definitely a perfect fit for him. And, uh, and it's, and it's not sure Jackson Gutierrez, Jackson runs the ball great, but also to uh, Jack Moda, he's, he's a guy who can pound the rock too. And, 
um, you know, it's really fun to see those guys just kind of, you know, they, they run that option or read option, whatever it is, and uh, they can roll it up on the ground. Absolutely right. They can. Eighth, we have Southside. They're seven and one, six and zero in district. They defeated Southwest Legacy last week, thirty six to zero. They allowed just ninety four yards in that win against Southwest Legacy at Southwest Legacy. So impressive win for them. They've won seven in a row now after that opening loss. So uh, great season for them, no matter what. But mm-hmm. being undefeated in that district is something that they should not. Uh, they should not. You know they should be proud of. They should be proud of being undefeated in that district this, as far as they've come. Yeah, good head of steam for the Cardinals. And uh, I think, you know, they kind of had a similar run last year, if memory serves, where, you know, it's like they, they won six or seven games mm-hmm. in a row, kind of right maybe at the halfway point or in the middle of the season. That's when their streak started. And, and uh, they have a history of doing this, it seems like. So I look for them to keep that streak rolling. Uh, ninth up, we got Brennan breaking breaking their way back into the TNL top ten. Uh, they defeated Stevens forty nine seven. They their defense been tough once again. They held Stevens to one hundred and thirty eight total yards. Limited Warren two weeks ago to one hundred and fifteen total yards. So I mean, their defense is finally starting to click. Their offense is finally starting to click. You knew the coach Bazer was going to get those boys right, and it seems like he's done it already. Yeah, and I and really, you know, you can look back and it's just them playing steel to start off the season. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is the kind of competition we're used to playing at and stuff. And it's a young team this year, so it's like now you really see that growth over these past seven weeks that they've had. Um, and you know, it's it's like they're playing all the same guys too. So they've been really lucky with no injuries, and they, and it, hopefully everything continues on that front. Uh, but yeah, you know, again, they we kind of talked about it earlier. They've got a couple games on their schedule this week, and of course, the last one where I think those are some really good tests for them, and we they'll really get to see. Okay, yeah, what kind of football team are we? I knew I was going to do that at some point. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach Bazer is going to get his guys right, and you know that no matter what, like their two losses this season are to steal into Harlan, like. If you're going to lose to two teams and you lose to Steel and Harlan, there's not that's nothing to uh, shake your head at. I mean, those are two great teams, right. and obviously being two and three in our team all top ten. I mean, it's it's nothing to sneeze at. And that Harlan game was close. You know, yeah. it, they, Harlan they were had winning. To come back, yeah, so, they were winning that that game the entire time until like the last three minutes. So I, I and who maybe that was the game where it's just like, hey, do you know? Okay, we. Other teams may be more experienced, but it's like we can hang with these, you know, older, more experienced teams. And then they're playing Soto this week, which just took Gus or just took, excuse me, at Gus, just took Harlan to uh, double overtime two weeks ago. So it's just like, you know, Soto and Coach Morales, who we talk about every week, it seems like is going yeah. to is going to give them a hard fought game and might even win that one. So, yeah. And and Soto, Sotomayor has kind of hit a bit of a skid real quick and and there's still a young team second year of varsity football but as you kind of mentioned you know coach morales is you know kind of kind of wiped the slate clean and it's like all right hey we still have a shot and an opportunity to to make the playoffs for the first time in program history so you know that's a big motivation for that squad absolutely and then the last team in the tnl top 10 is piper they're six and one three and oh in district they beat cedar creek 46 to 10 last week they got a five game win streak going on right now they're averaging 50 
almost 51 points in their three district wins. They got a potent offense and they're going to have to pony up on defense this week as well. Cause apparently rumor has it that uh, Ohio state commit James peoples is going to be playing his first game of the season uh, for veterans Memorial. Okay. Well, that'll be, yeah, that'll be something. Uh, gang tackling will be the order <laughs> of the day for the Piper warriors. Um, because yeah, you, you will need to have, two, three, four guys, you know, help wrap him up, you know, so rallying to the football there. Uh, and Piper's got some tests too. I see here, you know, it's, it's Lockhart and Liberty Hill. Uh, Lockhart, not too much known about them. I know it's kind of been an up and down year for the Lions, but Liberty Hill, you know, they can, you know, roll points up. You know, I think they, what, they had 80 in one game or something like that earlier this season. Yep. So, uh yeah, that's that's a game where it might be another offensive shootout between Piper and Liberty Hill. Yeah, and it's a great season for Piper, who's relatively new as well. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just great to see those new schools kind of hitting their stride early on and not being at the bottom of the barrel, having to build themselves back up. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's it's fun to see the parity now because yeah, for a while it was like okay, yeah, we expect these teams to kind of be at the top. Now a lot more are kind of you know getting a contention too. Exactly. Let's run through uh, sub TNL top 10 real quick. Uh, number one's Quero, number two, Bernie, number three, Jordanton, number four, Randolph, number five, Bandera, number six, Poth, number seven, Davenport, number uh, eight, Lavernia, number nine, Hondo, and number 10, Navarro. I need, really need to start labeling these. I have them as A through J instead of one through 10. And I don't know <laughs> why I do that, but it's just like the way that Google Docs works out. Uh, just going to, yeah. yeah. It's it's good for you know just kind of I guess keeping keeping on keeping everybody on their toes. It's week nine. I'll get it by like week eleven or something. I guess. <laughs> uh, let's get to our TNL game of the week. So we got Clark and Roosevelt, which equates out to basically a de facto playoff game because Clark yeah. Clark is uh, has four wins in district right now. They're five and three. They need a win. If they get this win, basically they clinch pretty much. Um, and then because they have their last game of the week, their last game of the year, I mean, is Brandeis, and they only have two games left. They've played eight games already. For some reason, they don't have a bye week, and he'll get a they'll get a bye week. I talked to Coach Geist about that a little bit earlier today, where they don't have a bye week until they're like week eleven. So they're 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 done after Brandeis next week. So basically, he knows mm-hmm. if they win this week, they pretty much make the playoffs. And so it's huge for them. It's huge for Roosevelt because they need two wins to try and make the playoffs, and they need Clark to slip up. So. Right. Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, high competition game this Thursday because, yeah, you set the table on it. You know, Clark, they're one of the four teams right now. Uh, they can assure themselves of a spot just by winning this game. But Roosevelt, they have something to play for. They started out 4-0. They've, it's been tough sledding here in the middle weeks. But it's all in front of them, too, as you said. So, you know, it's like, hey, they can help themselves out big time by getting a big win over Clark. And I talked to Coach Carroll over at Roosevelt a little little bit about this yesterday, and it's kind of cool. I asked him how uh, interesting it was for him to coach his son, his now second son, um, who was was also an all-star for the San Antonio Sports All-Star game. And so he says, like, he kind of treats Brandon Carroll, uh, their running back, as, like, Coach Belichick teaches Tom Brady like a little bit harder than everybody else. So it's kind of interesting, that dynamic. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Sounds like a good philosophy. Absolutely. What do you think is going to come down to for the, for this game? I mean, you have Clark who has Philip Metzger at quarterback and 
has a really good offense when they get things going. Obviously, sometimes, mm-hmm. like the game against Reagan, who often doesn't let people get anything going, that they got shut down. But Roosevelt can can ground and pound you to death. Yeah, um, I think maybe it's this game is at the line of scrimmage. If Roosevelt can control that and get Brennan Carroll going early, you know, not huge home runs like they need to. Um, those will happen here and there. They, you know, but if you can get four or five yards of pop, and then yeah, one play, Brennan Carroll pops one. Uh, then you get those Clark defenders creeping up a little bit, and that's when the play action pass comes into play. And and I've seen Roosevelt be effective at that when that ground game is going. So I think it really comes down to the line of scrimmage. If if whoever wins that battle, that's where I think uh, this this one kind of gets decided. Well, let's get to the interviews real quick. Uh, get to Coach Matthew Carroll over at Roosevelt first, and then you'll hear from Coach J.L. Geist from Clark. So we'll get that, and then we'll come back and wrap up. All right, well, lucky enough to be joined by Coach Carroll. Coach, you are uh... – Having a heck of a year so far, four and three so far. What are you thinking of uh, this year as opposed to years past? Well, I mean, it's just it's times, you know, as you go, you know, in year in and year out, it's just kind of, uh, you know, just the the role of kids coming through. And, and uh, we're at a high point right now, I feel like, within our program and, and have established ourselves a little bit and, and what our expect, expectations are and what we're looking for. You know, starting from our feeder schools coming through right now, and and uh, right now we feel like we got a pretty good solid pipeline, and and uh, kids are just kind of bought in, and and uh, things are working the way we need them to work. Coach, I wanted to ask you. We're talking a lot about those feeder schools and kind of building that pipeline up. When you got there, that wasn't really happening too much in the early two thousand and teens, and or the early aughts, I guess is what they're called. But how have how has that been? Uh, that focus of yours in like working on those feeder schools, making sure you're getting that pipeline of kids to your school. How has that helped you kind of go from where you were to where you guys are now? Yeah, man, it's a, I think with any place, it's a tremendous help. I I think all of us high school coaches know that a huge amount of our success is going to come from what's happening in our feeder schools. And, and uh, one of the things when I guess 12 years back, coming back to Roosevelt and getting the job was one of the things I thought is that, We've got to get into our feeder schools. We have to start building those bonds because we're in a world now too where, you know, there's lots of things going on where kids are leaving and going different places and parents are moving kids and different things. And, you know, that's as big of a tie-in into a community as anything. And so a big part of that absence with kids is no no connection or relationships with our high schools. And so we wanted to make that a main focal point that that we really got down into our feeder schools, got to know our kids before they get to Roosevelt High School. Uh, between our two schools, between Kruger and Ed White, um, I think over the years past, a big part of what we've seen in success is because they're having success at their levels and getting the right coaches in down there that can kind of, you know, steer the program down there to what we got coming up up here when they get here and keeping expectations the same. And we've had two great staffs that have we've established at both places and and doing a good job of funneling the kids to Roosevelt High School and keeping the kids that are supposed to be here here. And uh, those kind of things play hand in hand. Has it also helped you guys kind of build a sense of community around your school? Like you're having people that believe in you from elementary school up all the way until they're seniors in high school. Has that helped you guys at all as well? Oh, for sure. You know, the community involvement, and that's something just from our district as a whole, you know, big emphasis on, uh, community uh, support and different things, community uh, outreach things that we have, whether it's, 
visiting the middle schools or the elementary schools and opening doors for kids. I mean, just all kinds of things that really just tie into this entire community. And I feel like here at Roosevelt, and I've been fortunate enough to be a part of this community for a long time and getting able to see, you know, ex-players who are now parents to their current kids or vice versa and just kind of, you know, seeing that process take place. I mean, I think the, the community involvement here at Roosevelt and what we do, I think the community has grown tight together and, and it's kind of a deal with it. They know us very well and we know them well. And it's kind of an open door type thing with, with, with our parents and our community to support. It's our kids that have went on to leave Roosevelt to go do great things, who give back to Roosevelt, who come back to Roosevelt. You know, many of our kids and athletes that leave and come back and pour back into the community. Um, our coaching staff, you know, I've, I've been able to establish a coaching staff over the last several years filled with ex-Roosevelt high school athletes that I've had an opportunity to coach in the past that have went through these hallways here who are now coaching here at this school across the board and all of our different sports that, you know, just instilled a sense of pride in our kids. And coach, I wanted to ask, you were, you were around in 95 when, as an assistant coach, right? When, when Roosevelt won the state championship? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How did that, how did that help you kind of know what you were getting yourself into almost when you came back as the head coach uh, in, in 13, I believe, how did, how did that kind of all kind of help you gel with the community, knowing kind of what you had to do, the people you were dealing with, you know, all those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh, I mean, it was always a dream, you know, uh, to, to be here, you know, I was here for 11 years at that first go around starting with that championship year. And you really get to, experience and see that, you know, everybody wants to win a championship, everybody. That, that's part of why we do this. But being a part of that year, you get to see all it takes to win a championship. And it's not easy. It, there's a lot that has to go and play that has nothing to do with football. But a lot of things have to work out. And so you're intertwined in a community there after being around for such a long time. And then obviously it was, you know, a dream to be able to come back and lead a program that I've been a part of for so long as an assistant. Uh, and then to start being able to build something based off of old players and things like that, that we can assemble a staff with. And eventually, yeah, that's that I'd be lying if I say that's still not a goal. Like, you know, you, you want to win a championship, you know, you want to, you know, put another banner on the wall and be a part of it and, and uh, you know, just bring that community together and you see what that does for a school, a community. And uh, obviously we, we want to be able to do the same thing and, you know, returning here in 13 or whatever, and having a connection with not just the staff and faculty that was here, but having a connection with the now new parents and that were old players and things like that. So you feel like you have a pretty good relationship and tie in with the community. Yeah, truly a family affair over there at Roosevelt. And even more so this year with you uh, coaching your son. Um, how How is that for you, having to coach your son his senior year there at Roosevelt and you guys having the success that you have had this year? Uh, obviously, it's special. I mean, I think in any case, any coach will tell you having the opportunity to coach your own your own son, you know, is is a special deal. And I'm fortunate because it's the second go around that I get to do it. And, uh, you know, just like the first time, the second time, is, I tell people all the time, it's something – I would never trade. Uh, it has its obstacles. It has its, you know, issues. Uh, but on the other side of it, the reward from it is, you know, exciting, you know. And so I'm um, excited for him, excited for our football team and the success that we're having. And, and we still got plenty of work to do 
um, and excited for him and the success that he's having to kind of design his future and, and what it is that he wants to do after after high school. But, you know, it's great. I mean, it's a, you know, really my head, a lot of credit goes to him because it's it's what I do. But as a as a kid, I mean, you you have to balance all those, you know, between it's dad, it's coach, it's your peers, it's what your peers think, the pressure, you know, all the things that come with being the coach's kid and and you having to navigate through those things. And he's done a really good job of, over the last four years or so of navigating through that and finding his place and finding that happy spot between all of those different things. And, and, uh, and at the same time, you know, be a leader for our football team, a team captain, and um, then have the success that we have and, you know, and, and, and spread credit and do obviously offensive line and those guys going on, but just, uh, you know, a humbled kid who understands the whole process and, and uh, give credit where credit is due. And, and that's huge. I mean, kids read a lot off of that because obviously they get to see the role of a father and son, not just a coach and a player and how that works out and how that lines out. Coach, we're kind of seeing it on a national stage right now with Colorado and, and Dion and his and his son and all that stuff. What is that? How do you separate that? How do you separate when you're a coach and when you're a dad on the football field and before a game and after a game and consoling and, you know, kind of being both wearing both of those hats? Yeah, it, I tell you, it's not easy. And, you know, there's a there's a fine line because, you know, he has a loyalty to to the coach. He has a loyalty to the dad. He has a loyalty to his teammates. You know, there's some things that teammate and locker room things that, you know, it's a tough space for him. Is not only, you know, he's a part of the team and the group, but you're also part of <laughs> the dad and everything else going home. So, again, right. For him to navigate through those things, I mean, I know are not easy, but he manages to handle that stress between those two things and and make it work. And, you know, and I, I watch, you know, things with, with Deion Sanders and some of the things with his kid and stuff. I know he said at one point, and, I, and this is true, I think, of all coaches coaching their own kid. Uh, you don't you, – you want your kid to – you put a lot of pressure on your kid because you want him to work that much harder, work that – do things, you know, right and all those things because – he's always going to come under scrutiny as that's just because you're the head coach's kid. And so we put a lot of extra pressure on our own kids when you're coaching them. And honestly, you have to coach them harder. And um, the big thing with that is the kids, they understand that they understand what that needs to look like. If I can't get on him hard in practice in front of his teammates and, and those kind of things and not have the right response from him that you're supposed to have, that would not be a good deal, but we're able to do that. And so his teammates are to say, well, you know, and coaches all on him. That's that's not just a running back. That's also his son. And so others can understand and see that, you know, there's not a there's not a, you know, a free free card basically because you're the you know, you're the head coach's kid. You, you, it actually comes with more stress. And and uh, he, he does a good job, like I say, of navigating that. And and, uh, and for me, it's it is it's a fine line you want, you know, throughout the course of a game. And, you know, it's like you're still human like any other parent. You know, any injuries or things like that, you're on high alert, but yet, you know, you're also coach. And so you've you got to kind of handle and manage those kind of things. And so, but like I said, from the beginning, it's something I would, I would never change. Uh, something I would, you know, if I had to do it over and over again, I would keep on doing it. It's just an experience that, you know, that, you know, one I cherish and, and will always remember. Coach, this is your second one. Has you got any more in the pipeline, or is this this last, last kid you got? No, 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 no. This, this, <laughs> that, 
<laughs> He's the last one. Oh, man, we got a lot of all-stars in this family, man. <laughs> uh, Coach, I wanted to ask uh, – you guys, you guys are obviously having a good season. What for people who haven't seen the Roosevelt Rough Riders this year a lot? What what makes this team a little bit different than teams you've had in the past? Who are who is the the twenty twenty three twenty four Roosevelt Rough Riders? Well, for one, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with how we carry carry ourselves. You know, I think the the character of our football team. I mean, um, you know, the good teams. Are, Physically, athletic, what you see on the field, athletically, athletic play, I mean, they're, they're going to be good. And then we certainly got some playmakers and things like that that help us be good as well. But I hope when you sit in the stand and you're watching Roosevelt, I hope people see more about the character of our football team, uh, how our kids, you know, care for each other, how our kids uh, support each other. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves in how we play for each other and and uh, what we do on and off the field, you know, a tight group with uh, a unity uh, that that kind of makes us really strong. And we do a lot of things, you know, here on campus, whether it's or, or just throughout the season, whether it's, you know, you know, having the kids or coaches have the, you know, different position groups over at their house for different things. And kids or, you know, like my son would have all the offensive line over uh, for, you know, day but not before a game and different things like that to just build bonds and, uh, builds a tight unit with our team. And so I hope folks see a, a really tight unit that through good and bad, you know, adversity, whatever, you know, we try to stay off the roller coaster and stay steady and, and continue to support each other and those kind of things like that. Um, that's probably number one. And, and then honestly, this is a scoop that we're, we're, we feel pretty well-rounded offense, defense, special teams that we feel like we have some kids in the right place and we play really hard. I mean, our kids really play hard until – Really, there's just no time on the clock. That's kind of the thought. Like, there's, you know, no matter what the score is, we just try to lose the scoreboard. If there's still an opportunity to play the game, we don't, we're not promised this forever. So let's use every second we have. And if there's time to play, man, let's, let's play. And so we play really hard and, and um, we've got some playmakers in some areas that, that help us out. And, uh, and it's fun to have those guys and we're fortunate to have those type guys on our team. And, and uh, everybody just kind of rallies around them and, Try to have a little fun while we're, we're playing Roosevelt football. Coach, we I wanted to also ask about your uh, – it helps when you have three All-Stars on the team, and you guys got three San Antonio Sports All-Stars this year. I was lucky enough to be on, a part of the selection committee, and when we're going through everything, I'm like, well, we can't leave them off, can't leave him off, can't leave him off. So uh, we already talked about your son, Brennan. Can you tell me a little bit about Jamari and Josiah as well? Jamar, yeah. uh, for people who don't know, Jamari Galloway, offensive lineman for you guys, you say on your little note that he's the leader of the team, and then Josiah Ali, the defensive lineman as well. Yeah, you know, Jamari, you know, Galloway, he's he's one of our team captains. And again, not as much by what they say, it's uh, an action, you know, and, and uh, he's a kid that came in and, and actually didn't play with us his freshman year. It was kind of the COVID year when all these guys were coming in. And then just from year in, year out, just to watch how he worked, you know, his work ethic and what he does on and off the field, uh, classroom weight room, just his overall sheer understanding of the game and leadership has just expanded greatly. And so we knew coming into this year, we saw it last year, we knew coming into this year that he had an opportunity to be special. Um, and, and he really is. As far as the, you know, we're, I think in our district, we're second or third in, in rushing yards or whatever. And a big part has to do with with him and his other, his other partners up front, but he kind of leads that group. Um, 
you know, uh, for, for a kid of his size, he's very athletic, very athletic. Uh, and so he runs well and we, our schemes built around a lot of linemen running. He does that very well. And, and, uh, he's a really good football that, you know, uh, I'd be shocked if he's not playing somewhere, uh, next level after this year is done with his, um, measurements and his his film and what he has going on but a really good player and, and certainly will be playing at the next level um as far as Josiah Ali goes man holy cow I mean you talk about a physical defensive player that that you have to try to game around playing around you got to double him I mean those things like that his very athletic you know for a 300 pounder at his size but his you know get off and and uh, getting to the ability to rush the quarterback, get to the ball, ball carriers. Man, he, over the years, he's been a three-year starter for us. Uh, it's his third year. Uh, he has a few offers out there going right now. But I tell you, I, I don't know really across San Antonio a better defensive lineman than, than this kid. Um, he has a ton of ability. I, I, what's crazy about it is I don't – I still don't think he's peaked yet. He's still got a ways to go. And – uh but getting better every day. And uh, he's just a force to be reckoned with. And uh, he creates a lot of havoc up front. And, um, I'm anxious to see what he does post Roosevelt High School as, as life continues for him at the next level as well. Coach, last question for you before I let you go here. And thank you again for the, for the time today. Um, you guys have three games left sitting uh, the outside looking in right now when it comes to the playoffs. You guys got two teams that are ahead of you. Obviously, Reagan is the powerhouse of the district, powerhouse of our entire area. And then you have Marshall and Clark, uh, Marshall to end the season, Clark this week. So what do you guys have to do to win at least two out of those three games? Put yourselves in position to make the playoffs as as Clark's one of those teams that's that's right at the bottom of, of, of the uh, playoff uh, matchup right now. Well, I'll start by saying this is about a, as tough as this district has looked in a while. I mean, it's truly uh, really stout this year. It's, it's certainly a thing, and as we've seen all year long, it's who shows up on Friday night because I really believe anybody can beat anybody in this district. It's really about 7 o'clock, 7.30 kickoff when the game gets started that that's going to be decided. And um we we are in a, we we're not in the position we'd like to be in, but we still have that. The playoffs is a goal of ours, and it's truly still alive. And so we we again just have to take it one game at a time and and uh, stay alive in this deal and, and reach our goal. And uh, one of our official early goals from the beginning of the year, one of them, you know, we want to win the the first uh, ball game, want to win the first district ball game. And then we want to win six games. We want to be a playoff team. That's kind of how our goals kind of go. And, and uh, we've checked those boxes outside of winning six games. And so with three left and four wins, you know, obviously uh, that we, we still have that goal out there to reach and we still have the playoffs to reach. So we got to take it one game at a time. This week is, is Clark and, and Clark is certainly a team that's capable of beating us and uh, we're capable of beating them. And so, uh, this game on both ends for both teams is, is, is crucial. Uh, it, like I told our kids, we're, we're, we're really already in the playoffs. We're, we've already started that process. So uh, we've got we've to take care of business against a good Clark team and and, uh, and then, again, just try to follow our goal sheets from, from the beginning of the year.
I mean, you, you're damn right about it being a tough district. I mean, you got Reagan and Johnson at the top of it, Brandeis and Clark. And then, you, I mean, it, even in the middle of it, Churchill and Marshall playing better now, Madison playing better. I mean, everyone, everyone just, it's a tough game every week. For sure, for sure. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time uh, today, and I, I will see you on Thursday. I'll send you, send you an email tomorrow with a Perfect. link to the podcast, all that stuff. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I could do this all day, but I'm sure both of us have other stuff to do. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> appreciate it, Coach. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Coach, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining us here. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. You guys, uh, how are the guys looking, getting ready for tomorrow? Uh, it's been a good week of work, um, doing a good job, putting uh, putting everything in, getting ready to go. For people who haven't watched a lot of Clark Cougar football, tell me a, a little bit about this team. What what makes you guys different than other Clark teams you guys have had in the past? I, I'm not sure if uh, anything specific makes us different. Um, I will tell tell you that our our guys play really well as a team. We're we're a a, a good. Uh, a good teamwork kind of a team where everybody contributes and, and we're all bought in and, and guys are working well together. Coach, since you guys have taken over, since you and your staff have taken over the program, you guys have come a long way. What is What do you attribute that to? Um, it's been, it's been a, a process of growth with our, our players buying in and our community supporting us. Um, and that just that combination of, uh, you know, getting our, our middle school kids excited about being part of it and uh, and getting those guys to want to come and play Clark football and and uh, just a, a process of of them understanding what we do schematically and 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 buying into the pillars of our program and and coming together. You know, it's always going to be a dogfight when you play Roosevelt and Coach Carroll over there. How are you preparing your team this week uh, for what you know is going to be basically a de facto playoff game for you guys uh yeah they they are well coached they're a really good football team coach carroll and his staff do a great job we know it's going to be tough it has been the past couple of years a tough game um and it's been a down to the last minute the past couple of years too um our, our guys aren't as focused on uh you know who we have to beat each week. It's more about, okay, this is the next game and so yes it is it's another one of those man this is a game that is going to determine playoffs, but they all are. And, and our guys know that uh, when we get into district, it's, it's a tough row. And especially when we get at this point in the district uh, where we're kind of like uh, toward the last few games on our schedule, um, we know that each week is an important game. We take it one game at a time. We focus on that opponent. Uh, we try to go out there and play our best and execute our game plan. Coach, when you get to this point in the season and you guys are, Five and three overall, uh, I believe four and two in in district, mm-hmm. and you have two games left against teams that are either in your spot or vying to get your spot. What is what kind of motivation is that for you as you go into trying to play Roosevelt and then Brandeis next week and to kind of finish this thing off? Um, well, it's it's definite motivation in terms of we, you know, one of our main goals each year is to try to be one of the four teams. So when we get to this point where it's right there in front of us and and we basically control our own destiny. If we, if we play well and, and we, and we win it uh, and then we move on to the next game and play well and win it um, you know, we, we have that chance to get what, what we've uh, been working toward. And so our kids understand that. And so the motivation is it's built in it's, it's each week uh, we've got to have a playoff mentality because um, 
it is a game that will either get you there or keep you out. Coach, you guys are basically like win both games and you're in, uh, and you're one of those teams that hasn't had a bye week. Does the, do you think that's an advantage for you to kind of take week 11 off uh, at that point if you win these last two games, or is that kind of a weird scheduling snafu? Uh, I guess it could be an advantage. <laughs> it doesn't feel like one. Uh, it feels like, you know, it's just uh, one, one tough game after another. Um, and then last year, of course, we were – uh, waiting to find out, you know, we needed some help from somebody in that last week. So we didn't know we were in, uh, we were in our bye week and we, you know, we didn't know if we were in or out at that point, cause we had to see what happened in that last week. Um, it would be great if we go ahead and, and get in that position where we know we're in and, and we can take that week to kind of uh, get our guys back, uh, back rested and healthy and, and start to prep for the possible uh, matchup. But on the other hand, um, you know, we're not, Right now, we're just working on this game. And so uh, it would have been nice to have a bye week to kind of catch our breath a little bit. But, on you know, uh, the way the schedule works, uh, we just keep rolling. And so you, you don't have to worry about, you know, losing focus or anything like that. So in, in that regard, I guess it's a good thing, too. Right. It's just, all right, there's another game this week. Let's keep on punching, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, Coach, I wanted to ask about your district. You guys got Reagan and Johnson and Brandeis and an improved Churchill team, an improved Roosevelt team, a Marshall team that never gives up. I mean, all these teams that have come a long way, and it's basically a dogfight every week. How is that for you guys as you don't have a bye week and you continue to prepare every week for a tough game? Yeah, we our, our kids know that. They know that every week it's going to be tough. Um, we know the, the quality of opponent that we have to play. And, and our whole thing is let's let's be the best we can be each game uh, by being the best we can be each practice. Try to improve as the season goes on. I feel like we have improved as the season has gone on. Um, you know, we we can we make mistakes during the course of the game. It's never going to be perfect. But we go back and we try to fix the things that that we didn't do well and, and focus on the things that we did do well and repeat those. Um, so, you know, if you look at the totality of it and you just think, man, there's a lot of tough teams, it can get a little overwhelming. But if you if you take it literally one game and le hey let's just focus on this one and let's go get this one we know that what's out in front of us is tough um, but you know we we just got to focus on that one game at a time and, and do the best we can with that one learn the lessons from that and move on um, hey if we get to be one of four I, I think coming through this kind of a district and and going one after the other. Uh, that's a good thing because that's how it is in the playoffs. When you get to that point, it's, you know, win in advance or winning or losing, go home. So uh, we're used to having to play that kind of playoff mentality uh, against good quality teams. Yeah. Essentially every week's a playoff game. So you're just like, all right, let's do it again. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Coach, I love asking uh, coaches this every week. You guys have so many players on your team. And obviously you want to, you want to tout all of them. Can you give me two players on maybe offense and two players on defense that, you know, kind of embody the Clark Cougar spirit, embody your program and how you how you coach and, and the identity that you want those your teams to have? And that's tough. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a tough question. Have me try to narrow it down to just a couple of guys, because I'm going to tell you right now that the guys on our varsity roster embody what we want. And I'm, I'm so proud of them. Um We've got a big roster. We've got a lot of seniors on our team that have been program guys that have, uh, you know, busted their tail for four years now working to be part of this program. And, and, and they give everything they have all the time and care about each other. So for me to have to point out 
one or two here and there. That's just, that's not fair. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> it is. It is impossible. It's, it's <laughs> tough. I love them all. And they, and they work their, they work their tails off for each other. And, and, uh, and that's one of the, one of the great things about this team this year is just the way they play for each other and, and the way they have each other's back and that team mentality. Um, you know, uh, offensively, uh, our quarterback, uh, Philip Metzger, uh, you know, he's that kind of kid. And so I guess he kind of embodies that. He, he's a tough, hard-nosed football player. Um, he cares about his team being successful. He wants to do his best for his teammates. Um, you know, we've got a, a core of receivers that that get after it and, 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 and uh, you know, will block and catch. You know, I, I've got uh, one, of, one of our receivers, uh, uh, Strickland, he has uh, pancake blocks almost every week. And, you know, you don't hear that too often from receivers, but that that's kind of that mentality. I love it. Um, I, we love it too. I, I love uh, I love that about him. Sure, running backs um, love that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> hey, and, and the other receivers, you know, you catch yeah. the ball and you know you got your you got your buddy out there that didn't catch it, but he's downfield blocking for you. And that's great. You know, that, on a that kind screen. of attitude. Yeah. That kind of attitude from those guys. So I, you know, I hate singling out anybody, but there, there's a couple on the offensive side I, and on the defensive side. You know, our, our one of our inside linebackers, uh, Luke Gertz, is just a, a hard nosed, tough football player, and he's been he's been on varsity for a few years now. He's a returning uh, he's a returning starter. Um, he he's one of the leaders of that of our defense. He's also a team captain. Um, you know, and he and he's gonna he's gonna do what it takes to to be successful. And he cares about his teammates. He's gonna work with them to to make sure that we get our scheme the way we need it to be. Um, on the back end, uh, in the secondary, we got Kevin Ramon, who's another one that's been you know he's been on varsity. He's been a starter. Um, he's kind of runs the back end of it as well. Um, you know, it's it, it's really is this is hard on me trying to just narrow it down to a couple because I could talk about all of them that play and 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 even the ones that are not getting as much action in the game but are are big contributors on this team and how we're doing. So, well, I don't want to torture you anymore, Coach. I think I think that's enough. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I appreciate it though. Sure. Um, last two questions for you. You talked a little bit earlier about getting that community to invest in you um, since you became the coach and how they've kind of embraced your coaching style and how you've created kind of the pipeline from the middle schools and the elementary schools, all that stuff. How is that uh, a little bit, can you just tell me a little bit about that community that has kind of built and rallied around you in the school? Well, you know what, that's, that's been here. That was here before I got here. The, the, the Clark tradition of, of uh, supporting this community, you know, Clark, Texas, that's, that's who they are. And and they love, they love Clark football and they love Clark athletics and they want us to be good and, and they care about these kids. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of, a lot of special things that, that, that they do, uh, as part of being part of the football program that were traditions before we got here. So we embrace that. Um, I don't know if it's the other way around. I don't know that they truly embraced the new staff. We just kind of embraced the traditions that were already here and tried to grow those, um, they, they support the kids and that's a great thing. Um, so, Hey, we're just along for the ride as coaches. And coach last question. If, uh, on, if tomorrow night after the game, the scoreboard reads Clark more than Roosevelt and you guys have won this one and I'm handing you the TNL trophy. And I ask you what, what was the key to this game? What are you going to say? That we played as a team that we went out there as a team and did what we needed to do as a team, one rep at a time. And, uh, and, and that's what makes a difference. All right, coach. Well, I appreciate the time today and, uh, I'm 
I will come say hello on the sideline tomorrow before we get before we kick things off. All right. Well, thank you. As always, can't wait for TNL. It's going to be 7.15 tomorrow night, Thursday, October 19th uh, on the CW35. So it'll be good to have Don Chuck and I back in action. You, uh, you Euro stay- Stadium. Euro Stadium. You, are you just going to stow away and sleep at uh, Globe Life tonight? or? <laughs> uh, I don't know if they would let me. Uh, I, I mean, maybe. I wish. I mean... Yeah, with TNL tomorrow, I'll obviously be back at the <laughs> at the fort, you know, holding things down. But yeah, I wish I had another day off or something because uh, game four tomorrow, I, I hear Michael Young is throwing out the first pitch, and that was my idol growing up. So uh, <laughs> sad that I'm sad that I'm going to be missing that. But uh, oh well, you know that's the way it goes. It should be a fun atmosphere out here tonight. Yeah, real quick on the way out, who's winning tonight? You know, aside, um, for, aside from your fandom, right? Um, <laughs> you know this this one this series is just really a, a toss up. You know, I I had it, I was back and forth between Texas and six or Houston and seven. I I really think it's a six or seven game series. Um, this one is interesting just because Christian Javier he he's a guy that can go five or six innings. Scherzer is kind of like the unknown entity at this point. Like, sure, he's got the track record. He's got the experience and everything. The guy hasn't pitched in a month. Right. So he says he's good. He says his forearm's fine. Well, we don't really know. Only Max Scherzer knows. So, um, and and who knows? Both feet, like, and then you go back to last September. Houston loves playing in this ballpark. I mean, so did, so did the Rangers. But last time Houston was here, a lot of good memories. They bashed out a ton of home runs. And that's the way Houston's been getting their offense going so far. So if there's runners on base and Jordan Alvarez or Kyle Tucker comes up and they pop one out, it could be 2-1 by the end of the night. I think we're going to know uh, how this game is going to go within the first two innings because if Max Scherzer has it, he'll have it. If he doesn't, he's not. Yeah, if, if he settles down, you know, if, if he can get through five innings, that is like huge for the Rangers and their pitching yeah. staff. Anything yeah. beyond that, that's gravy. If they can win the first five and they can get through uh, with a lead to the sixth inning, I think they'll probably pull it out. But it's going to come down to how Max pitches. Like if he if he doesn't look good, they got to yank him, and then you got to rely on that Texas Rangers bullpen, which showed a few leaks last game. So, yeah, I mean it, it's it's solidified a little bit more. Josh Spores looks a lot better. Jose Leclerc, I mean he's nailed down all of these postseason wins so far. Um, so. I think the confidence is building there. Araldus Chapman is the question mark for me. Um, he <laughs> always, for everybody else. <laughs> he, he always will be. So, um, but it, it could be, yeah, it could be a bullpen game too, where it's like, you know, three, three, two, and, you know, so we'll, we'll see how it all plays out tonight. All right, Zach. Well, I appreciate you. And that's all we got for you on this edition of the High School Hype Squad on Sneakers and Cleats podcast. We'll be back on Friday. Talk Wemby, Cowboys, college football. Uh, probably some baseball as well as this game either is going to be a sweep, it's going to be 3-1, or it's going to be all evened up heading back to Houston. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, quick reminder, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Please download, subscribe, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell them all. Uh, <laughs> give us a five-star rating. Give us some feedback. Feedback's good. We'll see you on Friday right here on Sneakers Cleats Podcast. And we'll be back in the studio, so that's cool. Also, donate to Thrive Well if, uh, if you are so involved. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.